Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Insightful Thinkers podcast. Hope your weekend went well, everybody. And we are here for another Monday morning to start the week off. This time it is going to be some philosophical things on Niccolo Machiavelli. Uh, Many of you have probably heard his name in the term Machiavellianism. And this was, he was an Italian diplomat who was born in Florence in 1469. He was a philosopher, a writer as well, and he was a political theorist. And he's best known for The Prince, his um, his main work, which was published in 1513. And he's often been called the father of modern political philosophy or political science. But you guys may be wondering... Um, this sounds this sounds like a good biography. Why do I hear his name in such negative connotations? Well, that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. So we'll first start with Machiavellianism, the word that uh, many of you guys have probably heard if you clicked on this podcast episode or, or this video. In psychology, Machiavellianism is the psychological trait centered on manipulation, unemotional coldness, and indifference to morality. So some kind of a, uh, a just exactly what it says there it's you have <laughs> almost like no emotion and you're very cunning and um, no kind of uh, sense of right or wrong you just operate to um, to kind of uh, your own best interests in a way and in politics machiavellianism is known as the godless scheming and self-interested ideology based on an unprincipled lust for power achieved through subtle policy and cunning roguery so um very negative connotations in both philosophy and or excuse me in psychology and in politics but did the views machiavelli actually put forth in his lifetime warrant his name to be used in such negative connotations um That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about his views, what he put forth in his writings, most notably in The Prince. Uh, And we're going to talk about how he developed his philosophy and what his philosophy was all about. He started to really develop his philosophy as an early diplomat while observing other rulers and statesmen who were around him and in the same field as him. So as he started to observe these people, he started to make kind of get some ideas about how the world was run by these rulers. And um, he was kind of learning like strategies for rulers to gain control and things like this. So his philosophy kind of centered around a few things. One of them was uh, he talks about a lot about uh, relying on fortune versus relying on one's own virtue, he calls it. And it's not like the virtue we know today. It's uh, in the text, obviously, it was like an Italian language, but it's V I R T U, even in the English translation. So, um, what do you mean? What does he mean by this relying on? What is this philosophy about relying on fortune versus relying on one's own virtue? Well, all men, he says, want above all to acquire the goods of fortune rather than the orthodox Christian injunction that a good ruler should avoid the temptations of worldly glory and wealth in order to attain heavenly rewards. So instead, Machiavelli thinks is that the highest prizes for which men are bound to compete are glory and riches, the two finest gifts that fortune could ever help to bestow. So rather than um, looking to uh, acquire heavenly glory, like the Orthodox Christians uh, look for or looked for in the time, 
uh, he says, you know what? All men really want to acquire is goods on earth. And we should just go for worldly glory rather than heavenly rewards. So already you see why perhaps Machiavelli has been demonized because you see these iconoclastic views that clash with the religious establishment. And this kind of is why he's been demonized so long after his death. And when he introduced some of these ideas, the the Orthodox uh, Christian writers really went against him. And this sentiment has persisted to this day. Um, but Machiavelli, even, even though he says that uh, what man is really above all trying to get is good fortune and, and uh, go for the worldly glory, he still sets aside the acquisition of riches as merely a base pursuit. And he argues that the noblest aim for a far-seeing and virtuoso prince must be to introduce a form of government that will bring honor. So although he does um, say that uh, above all men just want to go for worldly glory, he says what really is best to go for is a government that will actually bring honor to not just yourself, but to all of society perhaps. So glory and riches are fine, but they still should remain secondary to the noblest aim of bringing honor is kind of what Machiavelli is saying. Um, these goals, though, are very hard for a prince to achieve if he owes his position to a stroke of good fortune, Machiavelli says. So if you're looking to attain honor and you're looking to attain this worldly glory, um, it's difficult to do it if, if you are only in this position of power due to fortune alone. So regimes, he says, cannot sufficiently develop their roots and they're liable to be blown away once fortune finally sends them unfavorable uh, weather. So if you are totally relying on fortune alone, although all men want, he says, to achieve good fortune, if you're only relying on fortune, then fortune is eventually going to turn around and uh, your your roots are going to be blown away once fortune becomes negative. So he says, one mustn't trust in fortune's continuing benevolence since fortune is unreliable. Um, and not only, he says, should the prince not trust in fortune, but he should also not blame his fortune for his misgivings. He says this in the prince, he says, fortune only shows her downside when men of virtue are not prepared to resist her. Their losses are simply due to their failure to recognize that the only effective certain and lasting differences are those based on your own virtue. So if you really want to create some kind of a reliable, uh, established kind of uh, leadership and honor and glory, you can't only rely on fortune. Um, any losses that you uh that you experience are not are due to uh, are your failure to recognize that um, really what you really need to be focused on focusing on is your own personal virtue rather than fortune. If you rely too much on fortune, then if it's your loss, if if you uh, experience great damage or or losses, you, you have to. What he's basically saying is that you have to rely on your own inner strength rather than fortune. Um, let's talk about this inner or inner virtue, I guess he says. Um, and I, I, I kind of alluded to the fact that virtue is not used in the common sense by Machiavelli. So he defines it as, well, he doesn't actually define it um, directly, but the way he uses it consistently throughout the prince is essentially defined as 
a quality which enables a prince to withstand the bows of fortune, to attract fortune's favor, and to rise to the heights of princely fame, winning honor and glory for himself and security for his government. So this virtue is kind of your own uh, personal uh, kind of direction and your personal mission, and this will allow you to withstand of uh, unpredictable events of fortune that may um, lean towards the negative. If you operate within your own virtue, you can withstand these, um, what he says, the bows of fortune. Virtue also kind of the way he uses it kind of to reiterate this is, is kind of like a willingness to do whatever may be necessary for the attainment of civic glory and greatness, no matter if the actions involved happen to be intrinsically good or evil. That's another thing that really went against the orthodoxy at the time is that Machiavelli says you can still have virtue um, as long as you're doing whatever it takes to attain glory and greatness. And it doesn't matter if your actions to to your actions towards this virtue happen to be good or evil. And this really angered the orthodoxy because for Machiavelli, virtue is used in in a morally neutral way, whereas the uh, Christians uh, of the time in Italy would would obviously have the idea that virtue means you're acting in a morally good way. But Machiavelli says, no, you can still have virtue, but it doesn't matter if you're acting in a morally bad or good way. Machiavelli says, if we act from a thirst for virtues without any thought of winning glory as a result, this will give us the best chance of winning glory as well, provided that fortune smiles, for glory is virtues rewarded. Um, So what he's basically saying here is that, uh, kind of reiterating reiterating the same point that you have to rely on your own facilities rather than other forces you can't control. Don't rely on fortune, rely on your own facilities and your own path to, to greatness. Again, this is very iconoclastic against the Catholics who instead seek to rely on a higher power rather than uh, rely on your own power. Even in, look in Proverbs 3 verse 5, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This is totally opposite to Machiavelli's philosophy, um, whereas the uh, the Catholics say, trust in the Lord, don't lean on your own understanding. Machiavelli, he's basically saying, lean on your own uh, path, your own mission, and do whatever is necessary. Don't worry about fortune or some higher power. Just rely on your own mission. And that is going to be the, that means you're going to be relying on your own virtue and, and you're going to be doing things through your own power. Um, but despite widespread condemnation that he did, that he did face and still does obviously because his name is used in such a negative connotation he is commended for having grasped the basic lesson that any new prince needs to learn if he wishes to maintain his state it's that you have to stop relying on fortune and foreign arms raise soldiers of your own and make yourself uh, comp- a complete master of your own forces so he does get commended for having these ideas um, for instance, in, in politics where you do have to kind of uh, take matters into your own hands and become a master of your own forces and um, master your own mind and your um, your own, kind of, as a ruler, master your own kind of uh, 
country's ins and outs and things like this to be able to succeed. So he gets commended for that, whereas he does get um, condemned for other things that we've mentioned. He also, so that's kind of what he talked about in terms of relying on your, uh, on your own virtue versus relying on external forces of fortune. He, what he also centers on in The Prince is morality. He argues that if a ruler wishes to reach his highest goals, he will not always find it rational to be moral. Any consistent attempt to cultivate some princely moral virtues will provide to be a ruinously irrational policy. So again, kind of against the church, he's saying, there's no sense in trying to um, be moral just to try to be a good person. If you try to cultivate some kind of a, uh, a princely looking virtue, it's just going to be ruinous in the end, and it could turn into irrational policy as a ruler. There's no sense, he says, in, in trying outright to be moral or righteous. Obviously, Christians objected that this was foolish, of course, and a wicked position to adopt, um, because it forgets the day of judgment on which all injustices will eventually be punished. So, in Christianity, obviously, you can't do this throughout your life. You can't just operate without any moral principles because there will be a final day of judgment where you are going to pay the price for acting immorally. But Machiavelli says, it's if we're all going for worldly glory, then it doesn't really matter if you act morally or immorally. Um, just operate in a way that is going to allow you to reach your highest goals without trying to be one way or the other. Um, but even about this potential objection that Machiavelli knows he'll face from the, the, the Christians, he says nothing at all. And Skinner, um, who wrote the very short introduction on Machiavelli, which is the main source for this podcast, he, he has a great quote. He says, so about this potential objection um, and how Machiavelli says nothing at all about this, Skinner says, his silence echoed around Christian Europe, at first eliciting a stunned silence in return, and then a howl of execration that still is yet to die. So even to this day, um, we still demonize Machiavelli's ideas by associating his name with very negative, deceitful, cunning ways. And it's all it all started from uh, right after he published it over 500 years ago, and it still reverberates to this day. And a howl of execration, Skinner says, still is yet to die. Um, so really, Machiavelli, he takes the by any means approach almost. He says this in The Prince. A wise prince will be guided above all by the dictates of necessity. If he wishes to maintain his power, he must always be prepared to act immorally when this becomes necessary. A wise prince does good when he can, but if it becomes necessary to refrain, he must be prepared to act in the opposite way and be capable of doing it. Moreover, he must reconcile himself to the fact that, in order to maintain his power, he will often be forced to, by necessity to act treacherously, ruthlessly, or inhumanely. So look at what Machiavelli says in terms, when he, in terms of his ideas about morality. He says, you know, yeah, you can operate in a moral way, but you have to be ready to act immorally when it becomes necessary. You do good when you can as a, as a wise prince or a wise ruler, but 
sometimes to take matters into your own hands, you have to act immorally, treacherously, ruthlessly, or even inhumanely to achieve your goals, Machiavelli's saying. So it's the by any means approach that was so shocking to so many readers. Um, he says a prince not merely ought to not merely uh, seem conventionally virtuous, but ought to actually be so as far as circumstances permit. He should not deviate from right conduct if possible, but be capable of entering upon the path of wrongdoing when this becomes necessary again. He He's not saying right off the bat, act immorally just because it's a ruthless way to act. He says, if the circumstances permit, it's okay to be or seem conventionally virtuous. And you, there's no need to really deviate from this if everything's working out in your country and things like this. But if um, if you need to go down a path of wrongdoing to <laughs> to secure a position or uh, secure a foothold in, in your country or to defeat an enemy or things like this, you might just have to go down that wrong path if it be if it becomes necessary. By all means necessary is Machiavelli's approach. So condemnation of Machiavelli's words, obviously, because of this by any means approach, still reverberate throughout society because he's really neglecting moral virtues um, for the pursuit of of your highest goals as a leader of a nation or as a prince, as a person in power. Um, so what Machiavelli is basically saying, you guys, is that sometimes acts perceived as evil to the masses are are necessary, and there's no way around that. And he, he employs the case of the Roman Empire as a good example for when um, that acts that are perceived as evil actually are necessary. So in the case of the Roman Empire, Machiavelli insisted that those who condemned Rome's disorders failed to recognize that they serve to prevent triumph of other evil parties in the first place anyway. So critics of the Romans and their potentially treacherous ways are only finding fault with what kept Rome free initially. So when they were small, nobody was batting an eye. But now that they're a big nation and they still use the same principles that could be perceived as treacherous, now everybody finds fault with them, but that's just what they needed to do to be free, Machiavelli is saying in the first place. So what the Romans did to establish themselves um, was an evil that was necessary to the attainment of greatness, Machiavelli is saying. So uh, evil, sometimes it can be necessary, according to Machiavelli. And this praise of necessary evils horrified Machiavelli's contemporaries. Um, that's really what Machiavelli talks about um, when he's discussing kind of morality and whether you need to be uh, moral or not in your pursuits. The third thing he mainly talks about is adapting to the times. And when he was observing some of the rulers around him and leaders of his day, he was realizing that a lot of these rulers could have been better off if they adapted to the times rather than trying to adapt the times to their own personality. To Machiavelli, the basic weakness many leaders shared was an inflexibility in the face of changing circumstances. So, as I kind of alluded to, leaders he was critical of refused to recognize 
that they would have been far more successful if they had sought to accommodate their personalities to the necessities of the times instead of trying to reshape their times in the mold of their own personalities. So he brings up an example of Pope Julius, how Julius fell prey to this um, not adapting to the times and how it uh, led to his destruction. So he says, this is what Machiavelli says about Pope Julius. He says, it was only due to the shortness of Julius's life that we are left with the impression that he must have been a great leader of men. If times had come when he needed to proceed with caution, they would have brought about his downfall. For never would he have turned away from the methods to which his nature inclined him. So Julius was so stuck in his ways that if there ever was a time where he needed to proceed with caution, he wouldn't have been able to do it. But because his life ended early and he never had uh, a difficult circumstances a difficult circumstance presented in front of him. Everyone looked at him as a great leader of men, but Machiavelli is just saying, if you're not ready to change your nature in the face of danger, in the face of conflict, uh, you're not really, you're, it's going to lead to your downfall. You're not really going to succeed. So you have to be willing to part with your nature to succeed as a leader, is what Machiavelli is saying. Um, you can't, it's not about staying true to yourself. It's not about staying morally upright and righteous. You just have to flip-flop sometimes and just um, to make it through difficult situations. So this nature that Machiavelli talks about, this kind of uh, nature that is present in everybody, he declares, has given every man a particular talent and inspiration. But times vary and are subject to change so that those who fail to alter their ways of proceeding are bound to encounter bad fortune at some point. If a man wishes always to enjoy good fortune, he must accommodate himself to the times. If everyone were to command his nature in this way, then it would genuinely come true that the wise man would be the ruler of the stars and of the fates. So the only way, according to Machiavelli, to ensure good fortune more often than bad is by willing by being willing to adapt to the changing times. A ruler who does not change his methods will eventually come to grief. The successful prince will always be the one who moves with the times. So these are kind of some of the things Machiavelli was talking about in The Prince. And those those three areas um, really sum up what Machiavelli uh, was talking about here. And from kind of what I, I've talked about here, you probably don't get too negative an impression of Machiavelli, or hopefully you don't. I didn't try to leave, um, try to put kind of a spin on it in any way, but I can see why people do get a negative impression of him because he really is going against the the noble ways of the of the the soldier or or the uh, the leader who stands righteously in the face of difficult times. Machiavelli says, "No, sometimes you have to flip flop. Sometimes you you can't really act virtuous, and it's a totally um, contrasting thing from from society. And when you when you have ideas like that that are totally contradictory to the orthodoxy, or or the times, then you are going to be uh, you're going to be infamous for these things potentially, or famous <laughs> if it if they accept it. But in this case, Machiavelli became infamous. So, as a conclusion, kind of of what he was talking about, um, 
the idea is that, you know, perhaps all this outrage comes from him placing worldly pursuits for glory over the eternal salvation that the Christians believe in. Maybe that's where a lot of um, the people experience a lot of difficulties with what Machiavelli said, because obviously in Christianity, it's the fact that you have to be moral because at the end of it all, you're going to be judged and then you'll get eternal salvation if you are moral. But Machiavelli, he doesn't really pay any attention to this. He doesn't even mention a word of it in the Prince. He just says, we're going for worldly pursuits. Every man's going for good fortune anyways. So why not act in whatever, by any means necessary to achieve your worldly pursuits and missions. So that's probably where a lot of the outrage comes from. It's coming from essentially Machiavelli's brutal honesty about what power is all about. And, you know, although he talks about this, this power, um, in such an honest way, and he essentially is almost writing a manual that could be used by a tyrannical ruler. He also is revealing the hand of any potentially duplicitous ruler for the whole world to see. Anybody can see this and anybody can kind of read Machiavelli's observations and his philosophies about what rulers do and what rulers need to do to attain power. So kind of as a final quote, Machiavelli says that that maybe may make you guys look at Machiavelli's words and even possibly a positive light. He says, I believe that the following would be true, a true way to paradise. Learn the way to hell in order to flee from it. So potentially by saying all these uh, devious things and these tactics for princes to obtain power and to attain worldly glory and the kind of say, learn, teaching people the way to hell, maybe that's the best way to flee from it in the end. If you have knowledge of these uh, negative ways and these uh, cunning tactics that can be used, then maybe you can just avoid them in the end. So maybe that's the value Machiavelli provided. And um, that's uh, Insightful Thinkers podcast number 17, Niccolo Machiavelli and Machiavellianism and what his philosophy was. A little bit shorter one today, but that was... Uh, that really summed every, I think just about um, everything, not every single thing Machiavelli talked about, but um, we're not going to discuss every, but these were, I think were the main things he was talking about. Really the key three themes I want you guys to walk away with of what he was talking about is the adapting to the times, his talks of his kind of philosophy on morality, whether we need to be moral. And um, from this episode, obviously we know that he, he uh, pays it no mind. And what he really, uh, he's just a by any means necessary philosophy of you're, you want to reach your highest goals. Yeah, you can be moral, but sometimes you also have to act immorally. And then uh, the relying on your own virtue versus fortune. So relying on your own capacities versus some um, exterior um, forces like fortune. And he says it's best to rely on your own capacities rather than, um, any type of fortune from any God or anything like this. So very <laughs> interesting philosophy and not everyone obviously is going to agree with it. And, uh, but that's okay because, uh, what it's really about is entertaining these ideas and thinking about them rather than, uh, hearing something you don't agree with and just throwing it out of your mind. I find it interesting just to have in-depth analysis about um, 
lots of things on either side of a lot of issues. And uh, you have to, I think you have to be able to entertain ideas without needing to fully accept them. And that's what we're doing with the Insightful Thinkers podcast. It's in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics, you guys. So if you guys like that, and if you guys liked this episode on Machiavelli and his philosophy, please share it with one person who you think would also be interested in Machiavelli or is interested in philosophy. Um, You can subscribe on whatever platform you listen or watch on. You can leave a star rating, a review, a like, or a dislike. And you can also share your ideas from the Connect page on the website, YouTube, Instagram at Insightful Thinkers Media, or Twitter at Team ITM. You can check out the poems and articles that are on the website as well. And if you want to join the monthly ITP video conference call, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Whatever you guys do to support, listening and watching is always plenty and uh, thank you to my my listeners and and the viewers um yeah i'm glad you guys are enjoying some in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics so thank you guys for tuning in to the insightful thinkers podcast and we'll be back next monday morning as always from our in-depth analysis into a diverse set of topics have a great week everybody